Daniel Figella, head of research at Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. You've heard a lot about AI ethics over the last three or four years, no doubt, as the topic has become more and more popular. We get a little bit more specific about AI ethics and talk a bit today about AI safety. AI safety is not necessarily relevant for all applications. If you're searching for mortgage documents, you're probably not going to hurt anybody. However, if you are building the parts for military equipment and for giant shipping fleets, uh, then you may want to consider how your artificial intelligence is going to impact the movement of those big heavy things that are often carrying human beings or are around human beings, and so safety would be paramount. There is a little company you may be familiar with called Rolls-Royce, who happens to be involved in the heavy industry space. They're based in the United Kingdom. Some of us know them for the Rolls-Royce vehicles that are sold here in the United States, which has long since been spun off from the core Rolls-Royce Corporation. Rolls-Royce proper works with much bigger machines than the vehicles you and I drive around on a daily basis. And the leader of R2 Data Labs is Carolyn Gorski. Carolyn was a previous guest on the show, speaking about the future of logistics and the supply chain, a space that Rolls-Royce has a lot of experience in, given how many parts they have to source to put together the gigantic pieces of equipment that they work on there. But this week, Carolyn talks about the AI safety protocols and the AI safety framework that R2 Data Labs has put together at Rolls-Royce and something that they've open sourced for other heavy industry companies to potentially take into account as well. Uh, We go beyond sort of the idea of safety as an abstraction to what it looks like to bake safety into the product development process and turn this into something that both business people and technical people can bear in mind. So if you are a consultant working with enterprises that might involve heavy equipment, or maybe you're in the heavy industry space, or if you simply want to know where AI ethics might hit the ground running in terms of going from principles to practice, this episode, I hope, will be a useful one. We're grateful to be able to have Carolyn with us. Rolls-Royce, a phenomenal brand doing very interesting things around the world, and it's cool to be able to highlight what they're doing in the artificial intelligence domain. So without further ado, this is Carolyn Gorski of Rolls-Royce here on the AI and Business Podcast. So Caroline, uh, you're heading up a lot of interesting data science initiatives at Rolls-Royce, and I know safety has been a rather large focus of your last little stint of work, and we're going to be diving into where that fits in and the project itself. Just for the sake of teeing up the topic, when you guys think about defining AI safety, I'd love that definition, and then maybe also a little backdrop on the initiative that you're working on related to safety. Sure, Dan, and thanks for inviting me to join you on the podcast today. We've been, you know, clearly Rolls-Royce, we're one of the world's leading industrial technology companies. We've actually been applying advanced analytics for more than 30 years and and using artificial intelligence to disrupt the market in in many of our sectors, for example, in our real-time engine health monitoring since 1999. We also operate clearly in a, a safety critical context. You know, we are a, a global power business. We create the engines that fly airplanes. We create the power systems that uh, that power parts of the backups set up for hospitals and the internet. That's a really it's really critical that in designing and engineering the the power generation solutions that we we work on for our customers, safety criticality is is absolutely at the forefront of that. And that's not only true for our physical processes and our engineering and design processes and our manufacturing processes. It's also true for our artificial intelligence processes. And over the last couple of years, we've been looking at 
how do we move away from what has really been something of a theoretical discussion around AI ethics, uh, driven often by questions of fairness and bias, which of course really important topics, but how do we bring the conversation forward to look at the practical ways that you can actually start to have trust assurance for artificial intelligences, particularly when you use them in safety critical contexts. And the Aletheia framework, which we released uh, at the end of 2020 uh, uh, on a Creative Commons basis, is our AI ethics and trustworthiness toolkit, uh, which has been developed around those uh, assurance-driven questions, uh, but now is available to, to organizations, both from a safety-critical sector, but also from other sectors, to be able to allow AI developers and, and the business owners who commissioned them to feel confident that they can, in fact, trust the algorithmic uh, work that's being developed by those communities. And I think the the term safety, I think, can mean a lot of things. And we're going to talk about some use cases and some particular examples where we can draw upon some of where you folks are, are applying this framework here. But for, for the sake of kind of the bounding box of the framework and, and where you think maybe industry will be applying these kinds of ideas first, what is that? In other words, kind of how will we define safety for the sake of this convo? Yeah, well, maybe what might be a useful way to start is, is perhaps if I could just call out the distinctions uh, I see between fairness, trustworthiness, and safety, because I think great, those are Great, great, yeah, let's do it important topics for AI ethics. And at the moment, as I say, a significant proportion of the conversation does tend to revolve around the first of those. So fairness in AI ethics really pertains to, to the differential income outcomes that you see in reference to human beings. And it's a fundamental problem of training AI systems that they risk reinforcing prejudicial or biased positions that are inherent within the status quo, unless you take some kind of preemptive action to mitigate those biases. And that's why much of the debate around AI ethics, particularly in the consumer space, is focused on questions of transparency and explainability and indeed diversity and trying to mitigate in advance for those biases and, and constrain them from appearing in algorithmic developments. And that's that's really important, but it's not the only important thing when I'm thinking about AI ethics, because the second category there, trustworthiness, trustworthiness is the ability, as we see it, for the developers of AI systems to offer assurance that their algorithms are going to behave the way that they expect them to throughout their life. And this is particularly important where you've got an algorithm that is involved in self-learning, because you have the potential with a self-learning algorithm to see the possibility of what we would call algorithmic drift um, and some, some others might, might call mutation. But getting to the point where you can actually feel confident in assuring the trustworthiness of an AI doesn't necessarily guarantee that that AI is going to be fair, right? So you've got to have both of those strands going on at once because it's actually entirely possible to have a fully trustworthy AI that is doing something nefarious. Yep. Um, it's just doing it in exactly the way you wanted it to reliably across its life, right? So you have to have both conversations going on at once. But the other thing that's really interesting about trustworthiness in AIs is you don't actually have to have full explainability or transparency either. You don't have to open the black box in order to be able to show that you're confident that an AI is behaving the way you expect it to. Because if you're able to control the inputs to the AI, and if you're able to comprehensively understand and validate the outputs of the AI against 
an independent check and on a continuous or near, conti near continuous basis, then you can actually assure the trustworthiness of that AI without cracking open the black box and exposing what might be commercially sensitive algorithmic work that's happening inside. But then that third point that you asked me about safety, yes, for me, this is critically important. So for when you think about safety in an AI context, here we, we're really asking ethical questions about how the outcomes of any AI system might negatively impact on the physical well-being of people or indeed on the physical well-being of the planet. And for me, I think what a lot of the work we've been doing over the last couple of years has, has asked, has encouraged us to ask the question that issue of safety might actually extend beyond that physical impact point into questions of psychological safety, political safety, economic safety, even the safety of our democratic processes. And as a result, I think benchmarking and understanding the implications of AI ethics from a safety perspective is a question that affects you know, the media giants of the world, the YouTubes, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the TikToks, just as much as it affects the physical giants of the world, the Teslas or the Rolls Royces. Yeah, I think it's safe to say the safety in, you know, heavy vehicles versus the safety outside of them, you know, both of those really, really important. It does feel, though, as though the definitions of safety are a little clearer in one than in the other. You know, was that a safe car ride? You know, maybe you and I can't score it with 100% certainty, but, you know, we can do pretty well. Was that a safe movie in terms of giving me enough uh, trigger warnings or something, you know, like for my psychological state? Was that news article, you know, unsafe for me or something? This feels like it's fuzzier to define. It feels like car not crashing ratio, really like that ratio, or like airplane engine not going down while in air, like really strong ratio. That's a great ratio, really well correlated to safety, political safety, etc. It feels like whoever defines those terms would really be the ones wielding the power, because I, I don't really know if we've got a nice anchor to hang those off of. But maybe you guys have thought through that. Well, I think what you're what you're really getting out there, Dan, is, is, the, is the fundamental challenge that informs ethical frameworks, regardless of which sector they're in, right? So none of the ethical characteristics I just outlined of AI by themselves or even in combination with each other actually constitute an ethical AI framework because an ethical framework needs to be derived from the fundamental operating position of whoever is responsible for it, whether that's a business entity or whether that's a nation state. So ethics in and of itself is something that we come to socially. It is a, it is a social construct yeah, that yeah, we need to that we need to agree um, yeah, between yeah. ourselves as as people. Yeah. So I hear what you're saying that uh, clearly you might argue that it's easier to define a safe airplane flight. But I'd, I'd push back to say, you know, think about the question of sustainability and environmental impact. You know, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, our understandings of what would be safe in terms of carbon emissions would be very different from our understandings today of yeah, what we yeah. would consider to be safe in terms of carbon emissions. So I think the situation does, it's, it's actually not as clear cut as, you, uh, as you're imagining it to be in the heavy industry space. And I think one of the things that we need to get better at doing is having more informed conversations about the world we want to live in and how we want the ethics that we expect um, our our governments and our corporations and our service providers to to operate by how we want those ethics to look in order to create the world that we feel comfortable uh, and positive about living in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose again, I'm not calling anything less important than anything. I'm just saying 
um, it seems to me undeniable, uh, maybe you would argue otherwise, that a crushed skull is not a social construct and that other things that you're talking about are a social construct. Some really hard, fast, firm lines around safety in context A, there's essentially no debate about, while in others, kind of who would get the benefit or who deserves to be safe first in line, second in line, third in line, or even, you know, you mentioned the environment, which I think is tremendously important. Obviously, you guys are working with, you know, in industries where energy use is, is rife, so that's important. But again, there's there's all kinds of different kind of positions that different folks might have on sort of how that, that stuff shakes out. Maybe the way we can get down to, to concretes here would be around some examples of where the safety idea and this AI approach might be used. You know, you can pick whichever ones you think will really illustrate the points. I'd, I'd like to try to start with the tangible as opposed to the political, if we could. Uh, but but yeah, if we can if we can put this stuff in action for the listeners, I think that would maybe help us carry things forward. Yeah, well, maybe I'll just give you a little brief description about how Rolls-Royce as a, as a global power business thinks about its AI ethics position. So our products, you know, make it possible for our customers to get access to power uh, and systems of power that enable them to serve their customers, right? So we are we are B2B and our customers themselves, many of them are B2C. And, and for us, what's important about delivering those power generating products and services to our customers is that we do that at maximum efficiency, that we do that sustainably, uh, moving towards a net zero position in terms of carbon emissions, that we do so reliably, because many of the power systems that we generate themselves are underpinning safety critical systems like hospitals, for example, but we do that at competitive cost. And most importantly, that we do that in a way which is safe. And our AI ethics derive from this position. So for us, those are the underpinning factors which set our ethical frameworks around that govern the work that we do. And on top of that, we have added the additional consideration that our AI projects must first and foremost deliver to a social good. And that could include good to uh, you know, the economic health of our, our, of our employees and our shareholders by improving the quality of our business, right? So that's yeah, yeah. for us a social good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would I would totally agree, by the way. I think that firm positions against that get really spooky, right? Because I, I think I think you'd be in a rough position to keep your job if that wasn't uh, counted among the goods that you were working towards. Absolutely. So then if I think you ask for some practical examples yeah, of where yeah, yeah. Safety, safety. Yep. approach to AI plays out. So one of the, the areas that we um, have been working in in terms of AI deployments for a period of time is our engine health monitoring capability. So we've been using big data and data analytics in engine health monitoring for over 30 years. This is the work that we do to, to monitor the performance of our aviation engine products in the field as they're being used by, by airlines to fly people around the world. And for the last decade, we've been developing artificial intelligences in our engine health monitoring systems, which help to predictively indicate where an engine needs to come in for maintenance or indeed if it can stay out on the wing for longer because its performance is such that it, it doesn't need to be fitting with a, a kind of a one size fits all maintenance schedule. Now that AI, you know, that is uh, that is picking up data from uh, thousands, tens of thousands of engines in flight at any time all around the world, you know, 365 days a, a year, 24 hours a day in, in near real time, processing millions and millions of, of data events and using that information to help to trigger events to tell human beings 
um, here is a potential you know, opportunity where this particular engine needs to be looked at or needs to be uh, recommended to come in. And the AI learns from that process, the humans learn from that process. It's, it's a genuinely reciprocal learning basis. Um, and it is governed by EASA, the European Aviation Safety Authority, because it is a process which is about making sure that those products in their operation continue to be maintained, operated and managed safely. Similarly, if you think about uh, one of the examples that is available from our website to actually uh, illustrate the Aletheia framework, we've started to, in the last year or so, look at using computer vision for um, uh, inspecting the components uh, uh, as they come out of our manufacturing and indeed out of our servicing manufacturing processes. And we're actually now using robot inspectors, AI-driven computer vision, to help augment and supplement the work of our human inspectors to look at component parts and understand whether or not they um, have you know, terribly small potential imperfections, which could you know, create a, a significant problem for them uh, over time and which would mean that we we need to remove them from um, from production or or scrap them or indeed put them back through a process to ensure that they meet the correct standards of of component tolerance in terms of production safety so again a very clear example of where uh, you know safety driven and in, in that case it's the you know physical safety standards of a, of a component safety driven considerations are are informing how we think about our AIs. And of course, in that context, it's critically important that the AI that we build that runs that robot inspector, you know, continues to be reliably meeting the right standards of recommendation in terms of managing its false positive or its false negative, making sure that it's accurately learning from the input data that's coming in, making sure that it's, you know, that we can trust the outcome of the recommendation that it makes as an outcome. Got it. And just for uh, for the folks who are tuned in, it's the Athea framework, it's A-I-E-T-H-E-I-A framework. It's pretty easy to Google. I'm on the, the website here for Rolls-Royce. What is your intention kind of heading off? You guys put this up in Creative Commons. For us, we do include ethics, we include safety into our mix of our publishing because we think it's an important business-related topic. You guys let the world know here. Is your hope that people will find uh, either be able to leverage this same kind of a process to think about their own AI work or maybe have it inspire their own process within other bigger enterprises so that we can build better AI around the world. What's kind of the, the aim of having this up and available? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, we started the process of developing the framework as a, you know, for, to meet an internal need, to meet the need that I've, that I've just articulated, to make sure that our own AI developments uh, could be trusted, were trustworthy, that we had the right assurance to make sure that, you know, that focus on safety was uh, living and breathing through our AI deployments, just as it does in, in all of the other areas of our business. So we started off, as I say, with this, with an internal use case for, for developing this, this framework. And then we went out at the beginning of 2019, in fact, it was probably more to the middle of 2019, we took what we developed out for peer review because we we kind of thought, right, okay, well, we think we've got something which is procedurized, which means that our engineers can, can have clear evidence of the fact that they've put in place the right provisions to assure their AIs and there's a, there's a there's an audit trail that you can monitor and that means that you can you know, have clear visibility of the whole process and that's that's how you work when you're a safety critical organization so we thought well we'll take this out to peer review and, and learn from other people's experience in the same space because they will have something to add to this that will complement what we've done or that you know there will be somebody out there who's got a better idea than ours and will help stretch what we're doing 
Now, the real challenge was that when we took it out for peer review, everyone we showed it to, and we talked to academic institutions, we talked to big tech companies, we talked to pharmaceutical organizations, we talked to other industrial players, we talked to everyone you can imagine. When we showed them what we built, they said, my goodness, nobody else has done this yet. And at that point, we suddenly realized that we had actually, in, in the procedurizing, in creating this checklist that you can actually use to manage questions of assurance for AI safety, we realized that we'd actually created something that was very useful for us, but was also potentially enormously useful for our industry, for other safety critical uh, industries, and indeed, as I mentioned at the top of the conversation, potentially applicable in, in you know, completely adjacent yeah, spaces, spaces as well. uh, whether yeah. it's healthcare or media or whatever financial services. And at that point, we went to my chairman and my CEO and said, we've got something here that we did not realize was as novel and as useful as it is outside of our use case. We think we should make it available for everybody. And they are extremely thoughtful leaders of our business and were absolutely on board with the idea that this is just genuinely too important either to keep to ourselves or to try to drive money from. And so therefore, yeah, we can't. Yeah. Well, I think the benefit of these kinds of things anyway is, A, you want to retain younger tech talent who's you know into building this kind of stuff in the first place and feels better about their job maybe if they do. And number two, it certainly gets Rolls-Royce's AI on the map. Well, if you talk to an average, at least American anyway, that they're going to have a different association with Rolls and maybe not have that come immediately to mind. So I think you know, marketing-wise, there's certainly value, but I really like the idea of, you know, saying, hey, can we share ideas to other people have better ideas? And I think it's really cool that you guys put this out there, and I'd recommend that folks that are in those kind of safety-critical industries or just want to understand this approach, check out uh, what Rolls-Royce has done. We'll make sure to have it in the show notes. And Caroline, I sincerely appreciate you going deep with this and uh, giving us a little bit of context on what you've worked on. I know that's all we have for this first episode, but thank you so much for being able to break down AI safety today. Thank you, Dan. It was great to talk to you. So that is all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed learning from Rolls-Royce's leadership about how they're approaching AI safety. We've tried our best to pull in absolutely world-class brands for the AI and Business Podcast. And over the years as we've grown, it's been a lot of your feedback that's helped us determine what industries we want to go into and what kind of leaders we want to interview as well. If you want to help support the show and it means the world to us, then leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can go to what used to be called iTunes. Now it's called Apple podcast. You can search for AI in business and drop us a five-star review. Let us know about any specific episodes that really helped you in your career or helped you with some of your own AI initiatives, or just simply let us know what you like about the show. It is that feedback that helps to fuel us and motivate us to create great episodes and also helps to guide us to build the kind of editorial calendar that's going to satisfy you, our listener. So again, if you want to support the show, if you've benefited from what we've done here, be sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We used to be called iTunes. You can search for AI in business on Apple Podcasts and find us there. I really do appreciate having you as a listener. I hope you're an email subscriber as well up at the top right on emerj.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. Make sure you never miss an episode. Uh, but you can also never miss an episode by simply staying tuned. I look forward to catching you next week and having you with us on the next episode here on the AI in business podcast.